Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our collective heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, gather together on on this this Sunday that we have now designated as a stewardship Sunday, a, a Sunday in which we can have that healthy conversation about material blessings. I asked for a show of hands to see how many people here have heard of Dave Ramsey. And how many people here have heard of Financial Peace University? Okay. And how many people here have done Financial Peace University? All right. It's about what I expected, but but maybe if you have heard of Dave Ramsey, and it sounds like most of you have, you know that he really kind of has taken the the financial world by storm with his sensical approach towards finances, right? And so he has a a number of of shows that you can uh, listen to live or download their podcasts and you can go with him and and he's really going to say, you need to get your your finances in order. You need to, to make sure that you take the time to not accumulate debt and that you are are having your priorities rightly lined out, and you have to be disciplined. And then there's this Financial Peace University, and what a name. Who wouldn't want financial peace? Because if you were to look at some of the data that's out there, inevitably it's within the top three or maybe top five number one or things that, 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 that cause trials in our life. And I would even say it's within the top two things that destroy marriages is an unhealthy relationship with wealth where people are pulling in different directions. And so good, way to go, Dave Ramsey, way to capture the market, way to, to give us healthy instruction. And yet, with all due respect... The idea of financial peace is something that has been around long before Dave Ramsey ever walked this earth. And we can learn so much more just by going straight back to God and his word. And we have an opportunity to do that with just a little section today. As we listen to our Lord and Savior talk to us about the topic of money And you can almost hear him say, financial peace? Don't be a fool. And if you're not sure what that means, listen, as we start to walk through a parable that Jesus tells about the topic of my relationship to earthly wealth. So it's printed for you in your worship folder, but I'm also going to read it. It's from Luke chapter 12, and it starts with verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. 
and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. It's the word of our Lord. History seems to repeat itself over and over again. And just to give you one example, here it is. Jesus, if you look in the greater context here of of chapter 12, he's talking with his disciples And he is literally talking to them about matters of life and death. He's talking to them about the incredible truths of what it means to be a follower of Christ in a world that has fallen. He's talking to them about understanding the importance of the spiritual peace that we can have when our soul is at rest in Christ and his saving work even when the world throws at us accusations or persecutions, he's talking about things of eternal importance with his disciples and then a crowd gathers around them. And did you hear what the crowd is interested in talking about? Whereas Jesus was saying, let's talk about eternity, let's talk about the importance of having your soul in the right place, someone from the crowd that had accumulated throws out this one. Hey, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I wasn't there, but I almost can see Jesus' face fall. But why would we expect people of this world, yes, even myself, to bring anything else up to God because if there's one thing that captures our attention, if there's one thing that puts us on edge, if there's one thing that we find ourselves thinking about quite a bit, it's money. And so whatever happened in this family unit, whether it was a, a fallout between two brothers or whether the, the, the father had failed to prepare an adequate will Man, it was on their mind. And so if Jesus is as smart as he says he is, and if Jesus has the insight he says he has, Jesus, it's time for you to weigh in. Can you settle this dispute? Because my brother's holding out on me. Tell him to give me my money. Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? First of all, Jesus is simply saying, don't mistake me. I'm not going to be an earthly judge. And I'm not going to only be the person who is going to settle this for you once and for all in the eyes of the, the worldly courts. If that's all you think I am, you've missed the big boat. But having said that, 
then Jesus does us all a favor. He says, since money is so often on our minds, let's talk about it. And what he reveals to us is that if we have a foolish mindset towards money, our very souls are in peril. And so this is how he concerns. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So just with that phrase right there, think about what Jesus is saying. He's already identified that there's a problem, and the problem doesn't just go back to the man asking about the inheritance. He's addressing a problem that has been lurking in our hearts from the beginning. And nothing has changed, has it? And so what is he saying? He's saying, don't be a fool. Don't play the fool. And watch out for greed. But what he says with greed is something that's fascinating to me. He doesn't say, watch out, be on your guard against greed. He says, be, out on guard, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Which is Jesus' way of saying, we have a problem that goes far deeper than what we maybe realize at first blush. And he's saying that the very things that are blessings of this world, in inheritance, for example, your income, for example, the gifts you receive, for example, the investment returns that you receive, for example, those very blessings can become a curse if greed is at the heart of it. And so what do you think of when you hear the word greed? Do you think of that person who, who just can't get enough? The person who has accumulated and accumulated the, if you will, the, the hoarder? The one who has said, I will not be content until I have every last thing and it becomes almost a game? I need to have it all. He's saying, be careful. Because if you're going to put your happiness based on the quantity of items, then your heart is very possibly far from the true contentment. But he says there are all kinds of greed. So what other greed is there? Maybe it's not the person who needs to have everything, but there's the person who has absolutely no self-control. And so America has fed into that with, with credit card after credit card, and you simply have no ability to say no to yourself, and you find yourself always amazed at the next sparkling thing, right? And so out of your wallet comes the card, and the card goes down, and you walk away excited and content for a whole 20 minutes with no responsibility for the bill that needs to be paid. Watch out, he says, for the greed that can be lurking behind her. Or maybe it's the greed of comparison, where you do have that, that self-restraint. You don't find yourself always buying what you can't afford, but you do find yourself looking over the, the fence at your neighbor and getting angry when he came back with a new car. And there you are with your two-year-old vehicle. Oh, it gets me mad. And the eyes of greed start growing. And you say, I need to have more. Or, or maybe it's the entitlement, the 
I'm not greedy, Lord. I'm just a humble follower of you. Now give me your blessings. Do we ever find ourselves thinking that way? See, Jesus is rooting out the issue. He's saying that greed comes in so many different forms and we need to watch out. When your Lord and Savior says to watch out, be honest. What are you expecting him to follow it up with? Watch out! Because a bomb is about to fall? Watch out! You're about to to fall into a hole. Watch out! Your physical life is in jeopardy. And he says, watch out for greed. Which means maybe we don't take it as seriously as we should. But he tells us, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Which is the exact opposite of what our world would tell us. Which means we have a battle that's raging and Jesus is doing us a favor by simply shaking us out of the malaise and saying, wake up, watch out, and if you find these greedy tendencies in your own life, shake them loose because it is your soul that's at stake. And so to emphasize his point, he continues on with this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Seems like a pretty heavy parable, doesn't it? And I say that because it's not hard for me to find myself in the description. In fact, as you're listening to it, you're, you're trying to look for a reason to be upset with the man. You're trying to find a reason to say, yeah, he's, on the, he's in the wrong, he, he, he's the bad guy. But here we have a smart businessman. Here we have a man who's wealthy and has been blessed with a bumper crop. And he doesn't want to see his crop go to waste, and so he, he's wise. He, he says, well, I need to get bigger storage facilities. We are not introduced here to a man who's an extortionist or a manipulator. He's not practicing poor business mechanics. He, he seems to actually do what we would say is wise. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is after. Is he wants us to realize that it goes much deeper than our external actions. Because what does he say? If your attitude behind those wise business practices reveals a bankruptcy in your spiritual relationship with God, well, then you've lost the war. And that's exactly how he would describe it 
It's the mindset of this man is, I want to build paradise here on earth. I want to eat and drink and be merry because for me, this is what it's all about, living for the now and in the meantime, letting his spiritual life erode. And so what does the Lord call him? He uses a very strong word. He says, you fool. You looked for financial peace in all of the wrong places. You fool. You knew better in knowing that it was I who gave you blessing after blessing. You knew better because you had been told in some part of your life that that it is your relationship with God that matters, and yet you turn that side off of your mind and you continue to live for the moment. And so also we. I, I don't want to call you guys fools right now, but I will call myself a fool. Because normally when you hear the word fool, we're not just talking about someone who has a, a lower than normal IQ. Frequently, the Bible uses the word fool as someone who has been instructed and had every opportunity to learn but ignored the truth because that's a foolish thing. And so if I look at Kurt Westland and I say that is a beautiful red shirt that he is wearing and you say, no, that's a blue shirt and I insist that it's red, what a fool that I am being. And think about it. How often haven't you been told by God through his word that it is not the accumulation of wealth that matters. And how often haven't we left a worship service or our personal meditation with scripture nodding our heads saying, I get it, I need to be rich toward God. Only within six to 12 hours reverting back to the ways of the world. You fool. And yet in that word, we once again see the loving call of our gracious shepherd. He's saying, wake up out of it. There's nothing wrong with being blessed with a bumper crop, and there's nothing wrong with taking the adequate measures to store it and utilize it as long as you have opportunity in this world. But please don't let that be the, the substitute for your relationship with God but rather your wealth is found in knowing that you have a savior from sin. Your wealth is found in knowing that you have a God that you can call father through the work of Christ. Your wealth is knowing that true spiritual and eternal bliss and happiness is ours in heaven. And so Jesus says, This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. What wealth we have. What wealth we have right now in knowing our relationship with God is secure. It's a wealth that can can weather all of the, the ups and downs of financial blessings and struggles. It's a wealth that can put us at peace, financial peace and eternal peace. Because whether my investment return hits an all-time high or, or I suffer a loss, God's love endures forever. 
whether I am able to buy the newest model car or I'm going to continue driving the older model for a while. God's love endures forever. And what a blessing it is to come to a place of worship and have that relationship with God, that rich relationship with God continue to be fostered. Go back to the words of Jesus when he says that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Take that phrase and dedicate it to your heart because what that phrase does is it not only convicts us, but it frees us. If you have found that you are in the rat race, in that you, in fact, have been living your life, maybe even not even consciously, but subconsciously under the tenets that my life's value is based on the accumulation of things, Jesus frees you of that once and for all. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It does, however, consist in knowing your Savior. And what if, let me paint this picture, what if all those resources that have been entrusted to us could now be used with a different mindset, which is giving us opportunities to share the spiritual wealth with others? What if the goods that we have could be redirected and reapportioned that we might be able to use those resources to lay out wealth and riches beyond compare to one who is truly looking for peace. And of course, that's the opportunity we have. As Christians united in a congregation, may the Lord continue to teach us to not play the fool but to always strive to be rich towards him through his word. And what is more, use our resources to bring that word to others. Amen.